You're listening to the True Life Church Podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, join us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. Good morning, church. Here and online, welcome. And, uh, what a great day. A little cold front came through. Florida's trying to be 80. That's great. Georgia, my bulldogs are rolling. That's great. FSU didn't lose because that's they didn't play. UF did lose. That's because they did play. All right. Uh, we, are, we are in uh, our, our Wait Here Until Called series. And uh, we've been talking about a lot of different things recognizing the voice of who's calling us, uh, a couple of things that we are called from, from an old lifestyle of sin, from an old way of doing things into a new way of doing things, the godly way of doing things. And today, we're going to talk about one of the primary areas that we are called to. You have been called to something. And it's one of the most important things, and we've, we've talked about it before, Many times throughout many series over many years. But it's, it's another opportunity to come back around to remind us of one of the primary things you and I have been called to. And in the passage that we're going to be looking at today, no one is left out. No one is exempt. You're like, well, that doesn't apply to me. That, that really goes to someone else. No, you don't get the get-out-of-jail-free card. There, there's, there's something in the passage we're going to be looking at today that directly applies to you. And if you don't apply it directly to your life, you're avoiding what God has called you to. And there will be consequences because of that. We live in a broken world, right? There are families being torn apart by Divorce, by addiction, by selfishness. You may have even been part or are being a part of one of those families right now. And there's something, again, in these passages today that's going to speak directly to you because there is something that you and I have been called to. And it's unavoidable. As a Christ follower. And the reason we see so much brokenness is because these passages are not being applied. So turn with me, we're going to dive right in to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. And as you turn there, I want to set the stage just a little bit because what we're talking about today, you and I are talking about you are being called to a specific role in your family. There's not a single one of you who has ever lived who hasn't been part of some type of family, even through adoption or 
a brotherhood or a fraternity or a small group fostered into a new environment and said that that feels like family. There's, there's family all around us. So when I say we're talking about family, there's, there's, there's lots of different views of that. But what I'm talking about specifically is who is in your household. And we're going to start here in probably every woman's favorite passage of the Bible. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. And even before we read the second word, what's the first word? The first word is... Wives, And in this passage, Paul is describing how we should live as Christ followers and in our families. And you would think that he would start with the guys first, right? Like that would be the logical thing. Especially in that day and age, you know, when, when it says the feeding of the 5,000. That was 5,000 men. That was just the, the number of men because the men were counted and women and children were a totally separate and often second or third hand number. Yet Paul chooses here to, to address the women first. Now why? Women, you are important. Sometimes... Some people or some churches will use this book to say, you are less than. You are not important. And I love that Paul starts here beginning with the wise because, ladies, you are important. And what we're going to talk about in these next couple of verses is supremely important in the role of your family. Wives, submit to your own husband's as to the Lord. And this might not be fun, but ladies, I want to invite you to repeat that. We're going to read that together with me, right? Not because necessarily the first part, but the second part of that verse. So let's try. Here we go. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. We're going to come back to that later. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And this word, we've talked about it before, but this word submit gets a bad rap in today's culture. Visions of a, of a 1950s-esque you know, scenario might pop into your brain. What am I supposed to do? I'm just supposed to put on a, a poodle skirt and walk around and make all the, the meals for everybody and husband gets home. Here you are, honey. Sit down. Here's everything I've done for you today and your laundry is ironed and the kids are fed and bathed and you just put your feet up. What would you like to drink? Put the game on. That's, that's not what we're talking. That's not what we're talking about. This word submit is the Greek word praus. Praus. Ladies, say, say it with me. Praus. Now say it like you mean it. Praus, right? And the word in English doesn't really do justice to what this word means in the Greek. The word in, in the Greek means more than meek. What is, what is meek? What this word really means, as best as we could translate it, is strength under control. 
strength under control. Ladies, that word there, that submit, isn't necessarily meant to put you down or to say that you're weak. In fact, it's it's the opposite. It's strength under control. There's nothing more frightening on planet Earth than a lady who is not in control of her emotions. Strength under control. This word is only found in two places in the entire New Testament, here and in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Strength under control, more than meek. Now ladies, if you are, and specifically wives in this passage, this, if you are a single lady, this does not apply to you. If you are affianced, this does not apply to you. This applies to a woman who is married. So if you're out there on the dating scene, you're swiping left or you're swiping right or whatever's going on, I don't know how that works, but thank God I, thank God I found mine before all that craziness. This only applies to women who are married. And if your husband is not here anymore, this applies now to our Heavenly Father. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Strength under control. Don't be weak under him. Be strong under good leadership. Now this goes into the next passage here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. He died, Jesus, gave himself up for the bride, the church. And so we, as husbands, are called to sacrifice for our wife. Now again, this is husbands. This applies to the guys who are married and who are single. Because men, if you are growing up and you're on that dating scene and you're going out on Saturday nights and you're having, you know, to stand by the number of one many times. You figure that out. One night stands. If you're if you're in that if you're in that business of messing up life that way, do you think when you finally find quote unquote the one, you will have loved her as best as you could? You got that many notches in your belt. And she comes along. Is she special anymore? Like, no, you've ruined you've ruined it. You ruined it. In Southern, I don't I, I grew up thinking that that word was ruined. I think I thought it was spelled R U R N E D in the way my house said it. That's ruined. Ruined, right? That's, other other weird people say washed with an R, right? But in our house it was ruined. You've ruined it. Young men, if you're listening to this, you can destroy your life 
by not loving your wife before you marry her. I know it sounds weird, but it's 100% true. Husbands, love your wives. Give yourself up for her. Sacrifice for her. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And this mystery is profound, Paul says. And I'm saying that refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husbands. Now, I want to pause here really quickly for a simple illustration that we've talked about before. There is not, in my, in my humble opinion, if you have a strength-under-control wife who supports her husband, I'll, I'll pause here. I'll pause and pause. Ladies, be careful how you support your husband. He already knows how he's failing. I promise you that. He wants to provide for you, take care of you, feed the kids, put a roof over the head, have money and things and taken care of so that you have nice things and everything like that. He already knows, every man I think already knows inwardly how he's failing. It's in front of him every day. And if he comes home to, hey, you're failing, at home, again and again and again and again, you're going you're gonna to crush that man's heart. What he needs is support. Fans on the sidelines going, you know what? Didn't work out the way we wanted, but I've got your back. Did anyone stay up late enough to watch the Ole Miss-Tennessee game last night? That's what I thought. <laughs> Even the people who were there didn't hang out for a while. Ole Miss was ahead. And most of the fans at Neyland Stadium, you know, on all Rocky Top there, they, they left. The stadium was, was getting near empty, but Tennessee came back. And in the last minute and a half, we had a game. Tennessee got the ball back, their quarterback injured, backup quarterback came in, they were driving down the field with a chance to tie the game. And it's after midnight at this point, and most of the fans had left, and everyone who has left came down to the front of the stadium and started cheering as wildly as they could, and that place got loud with like only 20% capacity. And the announcer was saying, I don't think I've seen anything like this in college football. They had to play uh, Rocky Top over the loudspeakers because even the band had left. <laughs> now, they lost the game in the final three seconds. But oh boy, was it good. Now, ladies, if you're one of those fair-weather fans that was even in the stadium and left your husband in his time of need, if you're, if you're tearing his down, if you're crushing his heart, oh, man, he knows he failed. Tennessee lost the game. 
But the fans that were left can say, you know what, I was there then. I did not leave. I did not abandon my team, despite their hideous colors. Husbands, sacrifice for the wife. On the flip side of the support that the husband needs is the selflessness that the wife needs. Now, guys, first of all, we probably all know how we're failing. Second of all, we are selfish people. Like, we are born selfish. I think women are born unselfish. I don't know how that works. Like, they're meant to just constantly just care and nurture and give and have this heart that just wants to give and give and take care of the kids and make sure everyone is taken care of before themselves. Guys, we are not born that way. Like, we are wired differently. We are wired me first. What I like on TV first, the food I like to eat first, where I want to go first, where I want to go fishing first, we are wired us first. And what our wife needs is our selflessness, not our selfishness. We had our men's retreat this past weekend. It was great. It was long as far as the drive was concerned, but it was great. We took 11 guys 600 miles each way up to the North Georgia Mountains where we lived off the land, hunted our own food, We hunted and gathered at Walmart, Sam's Club. And it was a great time up in uh, the New Tula area, northeast of LJ, and up in the mountain, the mountains, and the weather was great. It was like warm enough in the day for shorts and cool enough in the night. You wanted a little jacket and be close to the fire. And we're right by the New Tula Creek. We talked a lot this past weekend, didn't we, guys? We are wired to be selfish. But what our wives need is selfless. We've got to sacrifice. We talked a lot about what it means to be a man in today's culture. What's a good man? What's a strong man? And there's lots of options and and answers for that. But I'll identify what a weak man is without question. A weak man is the man who has never gone into the battlefield called love and won. What I mean by that is a man who's never laid down his life, his selfishness for his wife. It's like we have little spurts. I did good that day. And then more me time. I did good that day. And then, oh, I didn't. Gentlemen, the battle is before us every day. In every way. Since there wasn't children and parents, chapter 6, it wasn't there, we're going to continue in this passage, after verse 33, going into now chapter 6, verse 1. We've talked about wives. We've talked about husbands. 
and single men who have a responsibility to love their wife and honor her before they meet her. Like, I'm going to pick on you, Samuel, just because I can. Like, so you're not married, right? Just so we're clear, right? <laughs> Lord willing, you'll be married one day, right? Yeah? Yes? Now, do they, all girls still have cooties at this point? I don't know. No. No, no, girls do not have cooties. Well, yeah, we identified that. So, um, so you're not married. Girls don't have cooties. And already, are you, have you, has it ever crossed your, your brain how you can love your future wife? I can tell you it didn't for me. I'm picking on you because if you can learn from my mistakes, whew, go, go forth, young one. Like, already be thinking about the woman you're going to marry and how can you honor her and love her well. Like, prepare your heart for that. I wish I had. I would have saved a couple years of marriage there in the beginning that were real rough. And what you have with strength under control in the submit part of the wife and the sacrificing the selfishness in the part of the husband is this great picture. Mason, I'm going to pick on you. Come up real quick. Just because we had a we had a fun awkward hug last night when we got out, and so we're close now, <laughs> right? We already we're, we're brothers there. So, all right. So, who wants to be the girl? Be the girl. <laughs> you would. <laughs> I hate you. Um, so, all right. In this metaphor, I'll be the wife. It's got weird already. Mason's the husband, right? There. I feel so comforted. <laughs> uh, all right. So his job is to sacrifice and protect the wife, right? Now, there's not a woman who I think on planet Earth who wouldn't gladly follow and step behind and submit to a man that she knows will go first and take the bullet for her to sacrifice for her, to give up his needs for her, right? And likewise, there's probably not a man on planet Earth that would would not gladly step in front of the wife, the woman, who he knows has his back. (laughs) Like, I've... I've got you, I don't, I don't care, we can win, we can lose, but I'm not going to leave you and I support you. Like, who wouldn't fight for that? Who wouldn't step in front of that? The problem is, is that a lot of times, again, man, woman, okay, I left my wig at home, that's what I should have done, <laughs> was we like, to, we like to do this. This doesn't work. I'm exposed, the wife, the heart, The emotion, broken. Selfless man in the back. Selfish man in the back. You're like, eh, ooh. Right. There's a couple of movies out there where, like, you see, like, uh, identify, like, let's pretend it's a scenario of people running from aliens or something like that. And, ah, it's scary. And then there's this one, there's always one guy who's like, oh, he's selfish. And, like, he doesn't sacrifice 
you know, and he pushes himself in front of the other kids. Like, I was watching the movie Titanic last week because it was on 18,000 times. So, you know, I got to, you know, watch a little bit of it here, and then it came on again, and I got the part I missed. And then I found out it was on Netflix anyway and could have just watched it. So anyway... But there's those moments where some of the men are selfishly trying to get themselves on the boats that were meant for women and children. And men, what do we think? Ooh, dirty man. Selfish, trying to pay your way in and a whole bunch of different stuff. That equation doesn't work. This, where the woman has the man's back 100%, and she's supporting him. You got this. She's got his back. I love you. You know, Go get him, tiger. You know, whatever. You know, I've got you. You know, not. Pick up your socks. Again. You know, it's. Uh, oh, you know, that's, that's needed, right? But. I love it when you pick up your socks. That's much better, right? All right, I will pick up these socks, right? This, this works. Man sacrificing for the girl, Right? That's the way Paul is talking about. Thank you, Mason. You've been a wonderful husband. All right. Anytime. Anytime if I... The selfish man is weak because he's never gone into the battlefield of love, sacrificed and won. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14, and you don't have to turn there, says, let all that you do be done in love. Men, I hope this verse is familiar from what we talked about this past weekend. But I want to close now going into chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So kids, you got verses 1, 2, and 3. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. We got some who... Would you like to read that with me? I won't call you all by name, but come on. Let's read this out together. If you are a kid, if you are not a husband and not a wife, we're going to read this. You ready? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. I realize that's a lot to to memorize. So we're just going to settle for the first, like, six words. Children... Obey your parents in the Lord. We're going to stop. That's good, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. No one's exempt from this passage. And what we're starting to see is a picture of a godly family. A man who sacrifices his selfishness upon the altar of love for his bride. A woman who has strength under control, supporting her husband, and now kids who obey their parents. Oh, does such a thing exist? It's it's our goal to pursue these things. Children, I'll tell you, if, if you are in your parents' house, and you're not on your own yet, 
Or maybe you're, you're going to college and you're still at home and you're like this weird in-between-ish phase. Am I in college or am I in high school? kind of feels like both, but I'm also at home. But I feel like I'm an adult, you know, and I can buy a lotto ticket or vote. I don't know. Um, and if you're, in this, if you're in this weird phase or, or if you're a kid, it makes your parents' hearts happy when you obey them. I don't know if you ever, you probably thought about that or realized that before, but I cannot express the joy to you. I cannot fathom the words to put them in sentences to make sense to you how much joy it brings a parent when kids obey, right? Obedience happens the first time. If we have to tell you again, then we're getting towards reprimanding and correction. We are called to obey kids, to obey our parents. You want to make your parents' heart happy? Do what they say when they ask it. You want to make your parents mad? Don't do what they say when they ask it or make them ask it again and again and again and again and again. And then you know what's coming. It's timeouts and taking away video games and things that don't end well. So do what they say the first time. And we see this picture of of what a godly family could look like. And, And ladies, if... Again, this is why that first part of wives submit to your own husbands, because if you're not married, your job is to submit to your parents. Finally, in verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Because not all husbands are fathers. Yes, I know not all wives are mothers. But in this aspect, husbands slash fathers bear twice the responsibility. It's your job, men. It's your role. It's one of the things that God created you to do. I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever talked to a man that at some level didn't have a past or present anger problem, a temper problem, to snap too fast, to go from zero to 60 and then get really angry, to go from normal conversation to what? And just yelling at the, at the flip of a hat, being passive aggressive and, and storming out or slamming a door, punching a hole through a wall. No one screams into a pillow. That's silly. That doesn't work. We can mess things up when we push that button. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And as I grew up as a young man, my dad would push my buttons. But I learned from that. And he did too. 
And this verse came to mean a lot to me. I don't want to push my kids to grow up resentful of church. Resentful of other Christians. Angry that we have to read the Bible. I don't want my boys to to grow up you know, thinking it's okay to do one thing at church and another thing not at church. I don't want to push them or provoke them to a lifestyle of, of anger. I want peace in my house. And I'm sure you do too. But as the man leads, so the house shall follow. Men, we bear a lot of responsibility in the home. And you probably already know the things that you could do better. So why are you waiting to do them? Why do we do all this? Why? Why do we sacrifice? Why do we submit? Why do we obey? Well, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. As to the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. All of these things are byproducts and are only found and able to be put into practice because of what Christ has done for us. So when we were talking about last week, you have been called from things, out of old life, into new, out of the old way of doing things, into the new way of doing things, out of the anger, into peace, out of the selfishness, into selflessness, as we move forward into who Christ has called us to be. Turn with me to John chapter 15. As we move forward into that, it all comes back to Christ. Jesus says this here in John chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment. This is what I'm telling you to do. That you love one another as I have loved you. And we've defined, if you haven't noticed that already, we've defined how Christ has loved us. How has he loved us? Open, open forum. How he's loved us unconditionally? How has he loved us unconditionally? What was the act of love? What did he do? Oh, oh, he, he died. He died how? Pleasantly? Is a quick chop of the head? No, it was painfully sacrificed. Right? And then raised again for us. We have a relationship with him. Christ has loved us in his sacrifice. Every single one of us. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Oh, who are his friends? You are my friends if you do what I command you. What do you command you? To love one another. 
This goes around and around and around and around again. Called to love. Luke chapter 6, Jesus even says, love your enemies. Right? We're called to love our enemies. How much more than should should we love those in our own families? How much more should we submit strength under control? How much more should we sacrifice men? How much more should we obey children? And in those things, it is shown only in the Lord that 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 is what we're supposed to do. That's what you are called to. Children, you are called to obey. I don't like that. I didn't ask you if you like that. I don't want to. I didn't ask you if you wanted to. Can I do it later? No, they said now. <laughs> Man, I know where parents are. <laughs> yes, we know. Wives, submit to your husbands. That makes me feel weak. No, strength under control. I don't think he's doing the best job. He may not be. But give him a boost. Give him some encouragement. You might be surprised. I don't like that word submit. We've clarified that. Men, sacrifice for her. But I like me. I know you like you. I like me too. But I can't love me and love my wife at the same time. I've got to choose her. Again and again and again. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You lay down what you want. You obey your parents. You lay down what you might want to say, and you encourage the man. You lay down what you might want to do, and you sacrifice for the wife. These are things that every Christ follower is called to. And yes, this is, there are other things we're called to, but if we get this one wrong, you've got a messed up family, and no one wants to come home to that. You've got tension in the, in the house. You've got anger and frustration, resentment and a whole bunch of bitterness and feelings and whatever. This is the way a godly family is designed to work. It's designed to work together. Your family is so important, and we take them for granted. Yeah, I'm going to pick on you because I saw, I got to be here last night. Our cars came in at different times and uh, from, from the trip. And, uh, and, and Beth, you met him down here at church with the key in the car to load up stuff. And, and y'all hadn't seen each other in the same amount of time. I hadn't seen uh, my wife there. Actually, yeah, because we stayed here Tuesday night and then we went up. So yeah, it was a bit. And it was a precious moment when I got to see y'all see each other again after just four days. So I'm bragging on you because... 
Like, it was like kissy kissy time. Yeah. Yeah, right? Like, it was almost to the point of like, But, but I loved it because that separation coming back together reminds us of a few things. Like how, how, how great is a clean toilet after four days in the, three and a half days in the woods, right? How, how appreciative are we for, for a shower and running water and food that someone else cooks at a restaurant and being able to sit down and eat? And this thing called a bed, right? It makes us just appreciative of these things. So it's good to get away and come back. And how important is it for family? And I guarantee you, at some point, you take yours for granted. We do. But we've been given a gift in whatever family you have. I don't have that great of a family. You got a family here at church. This is a great family. I've seen this family laugh and cry together. Y'all are my brothers and sisters in Christ. You've been given a great gift. Today's the first time in probably four years that I came to church with my family today. Like I got in the car, I stayed home, got ready with the kids. Got up, got dressed, gave him breakfast. Wife and I hung out for like all of 18 seconds. That was cool. Got in the same car. What? To go to church. We came here together. We will leave together and not in two separate cars. And as a, yeah, that's my job or whatever, but. Man, y'all, if you get to get up and lead your families every week to come to church together, even that, what a great gift. Don't take that for granted. Appreciate the family that you have. Wives, strength under control. Submit to the husband. Get his back. Let him know that you have his back. Encourage him. Until it makes you blue in the face. And then maybe he'll pick up the socks. Husbands, love your wives. Sacrifice for her. Sacrifice more than you think. Sacrifice the not easy things. So that she knows she's important. Kids, obey your husbands. Or, kids, obey your parents. I'm just seeing if y'all are paying attention, that's all. <laughs> Kids, obey your parents. I'm never going to get that one back. Kids, obey your parents as in the Lord. Don't take your family for granted. You have been called to do these things because of Jesus who loved us and gave himself up for us. That is why we do these things. That is why a Christ-following family is designed to look different than a family in the world, to act different, to do different things. So if you're feeling weird 
that's okay. That's not how my friends do it. That's not how other people do it. Well, well, good. I'm so proud of the families in this church. I'm thankful for them. Thankful for you. Continue leading your families well, men. That burden lies on your shoulders. Lead well. Love well. Women, support well. Kids, obey well. If you do those things well, in your house, all will be well. (laughs) It's not about how much money you have or don't have. I was talking with a friend of mine who's here stateside now and um, works in missions and ministries in, in Asia. And he and I were talking last week and about how much more wealthy, in a way, the quote-unquote poorest people are in Asia than people in America will ever be. And we look at them and we're like, oh, those, those poor people, they need help. And other people, over there, I just, they need help, they need money, and they need this, and they need that. They don't have these simple things. Yet, he was telling me, from all the years he spent over there, that, man, they've got a lot that we don't have. You have been given a gift in the family that you have. Husbands and fathers, lead well and love well. Wives, support and submit strength under control. And children, obey your parents. All this we do because of Christ Jesus who first loved us. You and I have been called into that kind of family. You've been called to that family. So how can you change that this week? What can you do in your specific role? Well, you can apply what we've talked about. Don't avoid it. Apply it. And I guarantee you're going to see change this week in your families.